Hello, hello. What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome back to KOPW. I am so excited this week. I have a very special returning guest. Uh, Matt Charlton joins the podcast once again. We're going to talk about uh, the latest volume of J Crowned. Volume 2 just hit Amazon digitally, and we'll have uh, an imprint version very soon. So you can go check that out over at Amazon.com. Again, it's J Crowned Volume 2. Uh, this title covers the junior heavyweight championships of the big three, New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Japan Pro Wrestling, and Pro Wrestling NOAA, as well as um, having a section devoted to All Japan Women's and Stardom. Um, and it's just a wonderful primer for Joshi Wrestling. The thing that uh, that Matt does that I love about that particular section um, is that he, of course, talks about the WWWA and Mildred Burke, uh, Jackie Sato, and, and you know, the beautiful pair, Crush Girls, um, Bol Nakano, Aja Kong, and, and it really gives a wonderful overview uh, of a history kind of of Joshi from the 70s, 80s, into the 90s, and then kind of progresses into stardom, um, giving the overview of the World of Stardom title and the Neo Speed title, which is great. It's it's just a wonderful primer for people who might not necessarily know a lot about Joshi, um, while also, of course, maintaining the spirit of the book, which is to cover these championships and the the title holders and, and sort of you know trace the legacy of the championship and the wrestlers who have uh, who've held the title um the junior heavyweight sections of the book uh, also are incredibly illuminating. I learned so much from this volume. The first volume, as, as Matt and I even talked about, there was a lot of information in that volume that I already knew. And of course, the book was no less interesting for that fact. But um, it was it was sort of like uh, a review um, in, in a lot of cases. And there were certainly some gaps that I had, certainly things that I didn't know that I learned. But this volume, I felt like I learned even more because I think that it's, it, it, you know, when you're going back in particular and reviewing matches and, you know, title matches, big matches, dome matches, uh, oftentimes, you know, you had right for those heavyweight battles. Uh, you know, you had right for those amazing G1 matches. And yes, of course, you know, you're looking at, at you know, the J Cup and, and best of the Super Juniors. You're, you know, you're, you're going back and looking at some of those matches. But a lot of these junior heavyweight title changes, I think, fall through the cracks because, you know, they weren't necessarily on a dome show or they weren't necessarily um, in a tournament and so for me personally I felt like I learned a lot from this book um, and it was also just wonderful to to see some of the talents in new in a new light um, and and follow some of the the talents that that went from promotion to promotion. And, you know, we're just collecting titles everywhere. Um, you know, obviously you've got names like uh, Ultimo Dragon and Great Sasuke and, uh, and Jushin Thunder Liger, of course, uh, who, who were famous for, you know, winning titles and other promotions. Um, but then you've got a guy like Minoru uh, Tanaka, who, who unfortunately, Matt and I had planned our discussion. You know, we'd taken some notes. We were, we were really ready to, to, to dig into some topics. And Tanaka was one of those topics that we really wanted to uh, cover because he's such an interesting figure in, in um, Japanese wrestling and, and, and on the junior heavyweight division in particular. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, time getting away from us, uh, other topics presenting themselves in the midst of our conversation. We did not get a chance to go in depth, but of course, Matt always has a standing invitation to return, as he well knows. And we're already talking about the potential for next time's conversation and, and the topics we could cover. And of course, Minoru Tanaka would certainly be one of those topics. Um, but it's a fantastic book. Um, you know, if you, if you picked up J crown volume one, 
literally no excuse not to pick up J Crown Volume Two. Uh, it is at the very attractive price, I believe, of like four or five dollars digitally. So um, you know, skip your Starbucks and uh, go pick up a copy of J Crown Volume Two. You won't regret it. The art, of course, is is fantastic. Um, you know, some of the the bios are just so wonderful. And if you you know if you're just getting into Japanese wrestling or if there are you know certain blind spots that you might have, this is just a perfect volume to pick up because again you're going to get some um you know some wonderful pieces of information on the junior scene as well as the joshi scene and i I think that you know even big names in north america like kenny omega uh and prince devitt finn balor uh there's just you you know those those two bios are, are wonderful um you know if you're if you've just started following new japan in the past few years and you haven't really dug too deep into the archives uh the classic match section that that he you know lays out for you, gives you a roadmap for matches to, to check out. Um, of course, not to give short shrift to the other promotions, but you're going to find out a lot of information about uh, Marafuji and Kenta. Um, that That is just wonderful. Um, and then, of course, All Japan, which I feel like their junior division doesn't stand out as much as New Japan's um, or Pro Wrestling Noah's. Uh, but, of course, All Japan had a thriving uh, junior scene as well. And, and granted, the focus has always been a little bit more on their heavyweight um, division in the Triple Crown. But um, some of the greatest you know, juniors of all time you know, went through that uh, particular promotion and Again, seeing the wrestlers that would, uh, you, you know, kind of go on that journey and, 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 and travel to different promotions to collect titles uh, is also worth kind of traveling uh, throughout the book and seeing. So, um, again, can't recommend it enough. And on top of it all, you're supporting a wonderful human being. Matt is just such a great guy. I, I have really been grateful for the relationship that we have been able to strike up uh, all th- because of Twitter. You know, we, we found one another through Twitter, had him on the podcast uh, for the first time a couple of years ago, uh, had him again this past April. And, um, and now, you know, here we are, um, hopefully towards the tail end uh, of this pandemic. So we, we've kind of been able to book into the pandemic with, with two nice conversations for uh, our listeners. And, um, as always, let us know what you think. You, you can find uh, find me at KOPW72 on Twitter. Uh, Matt is at ShiningWizardDS on Twitter. Um, and as always, you know, Matt um, is, is, is cranking out beautiful artwork uh, for us every day. Um, he posts on, on his Twitter, and it's just really, really uh, an incredible project that he's undertaken. And he's captured so many wonderful moments, including, as we discuss uh, later on in the podcast, um, El Desperado's Unmasking, which was just one of the more brilliant moments from professional wrestling this year. And, and in a hard year for everyone, including the business of professional wrestling, it was it was a magical moment. It was a magical moment of storytelling and in-ring action as well um, that that preceded and followed it. So it, it just, yeah, just a great conversation with Matt, and we look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. And of course, I look forward to having Matt back on the podcast sometime very soon. The situation, because like this morning um, at any, uh, my daughter she had her like sixth PCR, um, like the the COVID test. Um, because like her her nursery uh, teacher tested positive so everyone in that class has to go i mean it came back negative it was one of the the quick ones came back negative but it was only the first one she's got to stay at home for the next 10 days and then have another one so 
so again, like I was just counting on the nursery. Next week, I was just counting on, okay, so I'm a little bit more, you know, my time's a little bit freer next week, so I'm going to really get stuff done in the mornings, and now, now I can't. And and yeah. and like you said, that that's a great thing because I get to spend time with my daughter, but also ah, I needed to get stuff done. <laughs> right, absolutely. Well, you know, in the last time that we uh, talked for the, the podcast, um, we were kind of at the beginning of, of all of this, you know, it was April, um, the, the, the lockdowns and, and everything had really only been on for, you know, maybe a month tops, yeah. um, depending on where you were, some places, you know, not even that long. Hadn't started yet, but... Right. Um, and, and, you know, obviously over the summer, things got pretty bad. Um, and you, you and I, since, since the first time that we, that we spoke, you know, we've kind of kept up like this internet age pen pal kind of, you know, thing, which has been great. And, uh, and we spend most of our time not talking about wrestling, but, you know, about parenthood, about, you know, politics, about everything and not politics in like that sort of like, you know, cold contentious way, but just, you know, the overall way that it affects our society. And, um, and, and I, I know, for me, there have been a couple of times where, you know, we haven't spoken for a few weeks or whatever, but I genuinely, I always feel better when I've had a note from you and, 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 and can then, you know, kind of let you know what's going on with me as well. Um, yeah, it's been, it has, it's, it's, it's been really nice because these, you know, these past eight months have been, have been really tough and we saw things get bad during the summer and then they started to get better. And now of course, you know, in the United States in particular, you know, we're in a place where they're worse than they ever have been. Um, the vaccine's been approved. We'll see what happens. But, um, all that said, you know, how, how have the, the past eight months been for you in relation to COVID and in relation to, you know, how are things in, in Spain? (laughs) Um, Spain, I mean, started really, bad here it was one of the first after italy and then spain really got hit it was really like the the second european country to take a a big big hit i mean it's difficult to say i mean the my workplace closed down um initially and then it, it reopened um july time and we started going back in i'm fortunate because a lot of people in my industry didn't go back to work and there were a lot of people mm. unemployed um to be one of those people who still has work, um, remote working initially, and then then back actually with people um, wearing a mask all the time and social distancing. You know, so uh, my partner works uh, as an auxiliary nurse, so she's mm-hmm. kind of at the kind of hard end of it. She's she's dealing with right. basis, and um. No, I, I I don't know. I mean, I'd say the the landlords, the people who own my um, my flat, they've decided to sell the flat um, because yeah. they they during lockdown they realized that they wanted a place that had a, a garden, and so to raise funds for a house that has a garden, they have decided to sell their properties, which include mine. So I was like, well, thank thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so they they have magnanimously said, well, look, you can stay until we sell it. I was like, okay. But that means we've got to keep the place in kind of showroom condition, as it were, because at the drop of the hat, someone can come around and view the house. And, you know, with a one-year-old, 
keeping the place in in shoulder it's just not not happening because every time we get a call from the estate agents it's this manic clean and tidy and yeah and um i don't know like just is one like more the, thing <laughs> it's just it's just one more thing and so no i mean the, a lot of niggles a lot of i, I don't know uh, frustrations i mean i'm uh, very fortunate not to have anyone um immediate to me to to have suffered um uh, anyone passing away as a result of it um but no it's the country is is just very tense and and very frustrated the government has um kind of flipped and flopped with the rules and um by and large people do what they're told but there's this growing sense of just almost childish frustration i say childish not because a sense of anger is is not appropriate but childish in that there is actually nothing you can do other than follow the rules and social distance and wear a mask you can't change that and it's a sense of having to do something um not for you for the good of others a lot of people don't necessarily understand you might not like wearing a mask uh, every time you leave the house, but you've got to, so you don't endanger anybody else. And right. everybody else is doing it, so what makes you special? <laughs> you know, right. so, I don't know. Yeah, I, not that fun. It, no, it, and I think it's been, you know, it's been similar here, especially recently, because as things have kind of amped up and 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 seeing the way that people treated the Thanksgiving holiday here, um, mm. it was distressing. And, and, and of course it was, you know, for us, it was difficult to stay home and, and for it just to be the three of us. And there were certainly, um, uh, a lot of moments of sadness, quite frankly, that it wasn't how it normally is, but it was, you know, it really wasn't that way for, for, uh, anyone in our family. Um, um, partly because we weren't there, but also because, you know, there were, there, there wasn't the big celebration. My wife's side of the family, you usually for the holidays, there's at least that one day where, uh, you know, the whole family's together and you're talking like 18 to 20 people, you know, sitting down at a table, sharing a meal and, you know, having a good time. And, and that's not going to happen for Thanksgiving or Christmas this year. Uh, but that pales in comparison to the fact that there are, you know, 300,000 people, in, in the United States alone that have died. And that means that there's 300,000 families out there, you know, that, that have lost a, a loved one. Um, and, you know, I, I happen to be in that boat, you know, my grandmother succumbed to it. My grandfather had it. My sister had it. My sister-in-law had it. My dad had it, you know, it, it, and so it's really had an impact on, on me. And, and I know that over these past, um, a few months, like producing the podcast has, you know, it's been something that, uh, the energy has kind of come and gone for. And, uh, you know, I tried to give myself a big project shortly after we spoke last time. I was like, I've always wanted to do this. I'm going to go for this all Japan. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I got the first episode out and I was really proud of it. I thought like, this is actually, I think this is something that's really good. And I got some great feedback for it. And then I started, you know, I, I started to just kind of you know, kind of swirl around that drain of depression. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and it was really difficult for me to motivate to, to keep going. And I started to have people ask when the next episode was coming. And I was just like, I don't know. And, and now here I am sitting like six months later and, and I'm sort of like, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I could still 
do this and finish this up. But, um, but that's just kind of an example of, of, you know, where I've been. And, and, and when it came to wrestling, you and I talked about this, there was a moment where I just, I just stopped. I, I couldn't engage with it in, on any level. And I hated that because there are times when I wouldn't be watching like current wrestling, but mm. I would still be watching, you know, classic stuff or I would be, you know, reading a book or I'd be, you know, playing the, uh, Phil Singer games, you, you know, I'd, I'd be like, you know, running my, my promotion in, in, in the game verse or whatever. But, uh, um, or even playing like a video game, you know, like fire pro or, or one of the WWE games, but I just stopped altogether and wasn't really doing anything. And it was the opportunity to do some work with Phil Singer games that kind of got me back into engaging with it. And luckily when I started to do that, it was separate from any kind of social media community, which mm-hmm. I think was really helpful. And, 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 and I say that knowing full well that without that, you and I would have never met, would have never spoken, would have never, you know, but, but for me, I think there came a point where I was just seeing so much stuff on social media that, that now I can kind of just roll my eyes at and be like, okay, you know, that's just how people are, you know, but at the time I was, for some reason I was just taking it very personally and it was affecting me. I think part of that was because I was feeling so raw and I was feeling so vulnerable and you know, the, the situation was so difficult. So in a weird way, I I suppose I feel a little bit more prepared to deal with where we are right now, which again is as worse as it's been in the United States. And much like you were saying, there's this sort of childish strain, uh, running through society right now where you have, uh, a, a portion of folks that don't want to wear masks that, that don't really care about that, that are into the idea of herd immunity. Let's just go out there and whoever dies, dies, you know, and the healthy ones will survive. And, and it's just really, um, it's really maddening and frustrating but the only thing I can do is put on my mask when I go out, you know, keep, you know, keep, keep everyone else in mind and, and social distance and, uh, you know, and try to salvage any little piece of sanity I can by talking to people like you. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, um, there are people I mean, like that. I mean, looking at social media, looking at um, kind of any community, you, you can't change people by telling them to be different. I mean, they, they have to come to that realization by themselves. And the only thing that you can possibly do is, is try and be uh, who you, uh, who you, who you want to be or, or to be that good example, you know, right. in the same way you are to your daughter, the same way you are to your friends. I mean, just, it's the whole do unto others deal. Just, just, if you don't want them to be that way, don't be that way yourself. And it's the thing with, I don't know, uh, people like take Twitter, which is where we met and where probably I, in terms of the internet, where I spent most of my time, you know, it's, yeah. um, a lot of people have said over the years that it's a, it's a toxic place and there's, you know, nothing but bad people there and nothing but bad. So I, I've only ever experienced, um, just pure positivity from people and, and just generosity and kindness. I've never, I mean, it's true. A couple of people have written to me. They've sent me private messages telling me that they hate my pictures and that they, they think they, they think I suck. And it's, it's just okay. Like, well, and that has on that occasion ruined my day. And I said, well, thank you for taking time out of your day to do that. <laughs> you know, right, but, right. Um, but um, by and large, you know, um, 
everyone I don't, I don't know there there are so many people out there who who get the fact that you need to support each other and yeah. because because genuinely times like this it just makes you real we we are all we have it's it's not our government it's not our institutions it's not you know it's it's us you know we we are poor we're, we relatively speaking you know we have have roofs over our heads we've got access to the internet which we've got to be thankful for but right. you know we're we're not the moneyed elite we're not the the ones with yachts and we're not the ones that are going to be taken care of you know it, when i know the world ends and and the best people get ferried off to mars or whatever we're <laughs> up here when the asteroid hits you know so right. i don't know we, we've got to help each other and we've got to try and make the place of another the kindest place it can possibly be and and that's horribly i don't know um utopian and and hippie and and stupid but it's what i don't know i've got to live by because i i don't know the alternative is is just just getting is is sinking into like like you said uh, bitterness or just not being able to cope with those things that you actually enjoy and i i remember you sending me the message about not being able to relate to wrestling and and it was around the time where a lot of people were saying the same thing for for one reason or the other a lot of people were just saying they they couldn't watch wrestling they couldn't um relate to wrestling or they couldn't be around wrestling and um and i i didn't get it i mean i know there have been times in my life where i've um watched wrestling more than others i mean this year i i haven't always had my finger on the pulse you know but I've always been able to watch it and enjoy it when I've, you know, say, um, say nowhere or new Japan or all Japan, you know, it's, it's been DDT and, and Tokyo Yoshi pro. And, and there's been actually a lot of things which are, are, are amazing this year. A lot of people yeah. really stepped up this year. Um, but no, I mean, my response to you and it, it's always the same wrestling's this, um, it's, it's a form of communication. It's an art form. So it's like, saying that you don't like movies anymore or it's like saying you don't like music anymore and i I, yeah it's i I don't like certain songs and there are times when maybe i don't have time to to sit and listen to to eight albums a day or whatever (laughs) but i I, i'll always love music and i'll always love movies and i'll always love you know series or or drama or and wrestling's that wrestling's a, a form of communication. It's always going to have something I like. I won't like certain performers. I won't like certain stories about certain performers. I won't like certain things. But right. I always love wrestling, you know. Yeah. Well, and your message really kind of helped remind me of that because it was. I think for whatever reason, I I had just lost a little bit of touch with the the art form, and you know, I was looking at it because. You know, around the time of, of, of WrestleMania, for instance, you know, so much of the of what was happening was WWE because they never stopped. You know, they never stopped. You know, New Japan, obviously, they, they took a break, rightfully yeah. so. You know, but WWE never stopped. And it was hard for me to continue watching because I felt like it was irresponsible of them to not have stopped. And I, and I just and, and, and I was like, you know what, I, I'll go ahead because I love drew mcintyre you know i i I think he's incredible and just talented individual and i I love what he did when he got let go from the company i feel like he was you know that's the model uh, for 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 anyone that that finds himself in that situation or was the model anyway who knows what it's going to be now but um and i and i and i just wanted to see him in the main event and so i decided to watch 
But so much of that card just kind of left me cold. And it's silly to let one thing kind of really let your interest wane, but it did. And it took, you know, it, it took that message from you and looking at it and thinking of the art form and reminding myself of you know what I loved about it and kind of reconnecting with certain things and you know, just appreciating the art form and, and also starting to look at it from perspective of the history of the business and the history of the art form. And, and yeah. really, you know, we're lucky because we live in an age when there's so much of that history available to us, mm -hmm. whether it's through a streaming service like new Japan world or, um, or, or the, the books, the sheer volume of books that are out there now that we go and find information that before was, you had to really work for, um, and, and, and I, you know, I'm just grateful for that. So I've been reading a lot and I've been watching a lot of older stuff and, um, and it's been, it, it, it's helped me to reconnect to it. And I'm really glad that it has, because it is something that I love so much. And it's, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I don't mind saying I've, I've been in therapy pretty much since the beginning of this whole pandemic and it's been extremely helpful. Um, and you know, I've, I've struggled with, with a, a lot of things and, 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 and substance abuse was something in my past, both in my family and for myself. And so, you know, getting, getting sober over the past year and a half and, uh, you know, maintaining that and, and, and just working on my mental health. It's, it, there's also been a lot of kind of like thoughts about the past and focusing on the past and, and, you know, certain choices that were made and where, and there is no doubt in my mind that had I just made a couple of different choices around 1999, that I would have absolutely pursued wrestling as a career, whether I would have gone anywhere with it, whether anything would have happened, I absolutely would have done that. And I think about that sometimes. And it's because it's something that I am that passionate about. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and then of course, relating it, of course, to my theater background and, and, and having, you know, worked as, as a professional actor, you know, mostly in theater. And, um, it, it's to me, you know, it is, it is, it is a performing art in so many ways. And yes, it's an athletic contest in a lot of ways as well, but you know, that, that performance part of it is something that, uh, that I genuinely love and I've always connected to. So I'm grateful for that. And you know, and I'm grateful for the fact that, again, being able to focus on the history of it has been easy because there's so much information out there that wasn't there before. Yeah. How's this for my segue? Which brings me, <laughs> <laughs> which brings me to the fact that I, you know, I count myself, like, I count you as a friend. I genuinely do. And, and, and so I say that up front because I, I you know, I, I can't necessarily you know, divorce myself from that. That said, I am so grateful for your books um, because J crowned volume one, it was, you know, when we talked about it last April, there were a lot of things in the book that I was aware of that I knew mm -hmm. about. You mentioned some classic matches that I, you know, immediately I was like, Oh yeah, that's a great match. I'd seen that. There were a couple of people, you know, in a couple of times that like I mentioned in, in like all Japan's history or even Noah's history where I, I kind of had fallen off with that promotion. So I didn't know as much about, so it was really informative. Mm. Um, so one of my first questions when it relates directly to the, to the books, now that, J crown volume one has been out there in the world and, and, you know, you've, you've gotten feedback and you've, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been shared. It's not just, you know, something that you worked on. Um, how do you feel about that volume and what do you think it helped not only you accomplish, but readers kind of discover about the, the, um, the Japanese championships that were covered in that volume? 
in the first one. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I guess the first one acts acts very much as a primer. I mean, it's like you said because uh, for you, as somebody who's knowledgeable about that, who who knows um, the, the the general history, if like you say, there's one or two people or one or two periods where perhaps you haven't kept up as much as you possibly can, it it works as a really I think strong and accessible primer for for anyone who wants to start looking at those big promotions, who wants to start getting into New Japan and nowhere old Japan, um, because those are your first kind of ports of call. If you do make that jump, you suddenly start thinking, well, you know what, WWE don't really do it for me anymore. <laughs> or, or, you know, and and I've, I've heard about this this Japanese wrestling thing, so let's give it a go. Um, I mean. Uh, I, when it came out, I was I was very uncertain. I, I thought it was a bit too limited because initially, uh, I, I think maybe I mentioned it at the time. I just wanted this big volume of everything. I wanted a big book of of everyone and everything. Um, then for cost and practicality and and time and everything, it's just not possible. But you know, I wanted everyone from from New Japan to. Um, Dragon Gate to Ice Ribbon. I wanted it all, everyone in yeah. the same same book with all the champions given the same time and the same um, the same treatment. Um, and so, you know, that not being possible, how then do you break it up? And um, although there were a few, you know, I um, to talk about AJW in that first book, and I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about um, the world of stardom in that first book. I wanted those biographies there in that one. Yeah. Um, because for me, uh, again, you can't you can't really divide things along gender lines, and it's unarguable that the Bull Nakano um, is a bigger star than um, Takeshi Rikio, or um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or you, know, you, you can't. I, I, I don't know. It, it seemed odd to leave them out, and um, for them now to be coming out in in the second volume, at least, um, I'm really, really happy to have those yeah. out there as well. Um, but no, I mean the response to the first um, the first volume was was mind blowing for me. I was very, very nervous. Um, uh, obviously, being my brother's brother and him having <laughs> written um, two of the, the the best books about Japanese wrestling that you could possibly find. I don't know. I, I felt very, very uncertain. And and the second book now as well, uh, doing it myself, having kind of parted from um, the editor, uh, I, I feel sort of doubly nervous and doubly anxious to put it out there. And, and hopefully it, it kind of finds the same generosity. I don't I, know, I, answer the question? I'm not sure. I yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely does. That, that answers it perfectly uh, as far as I'm concerned, it, it, because it, I, I think, you know, I completely agree with what you said about the book being kind of that primer, the first volume. And we had spoken last time about your desire to release like just one huge mega volume covering all, all these championships. And I have to say that at the time you said that I was just sort of like, Oh, that'd be so cool. But now have the second volume in my hands. Uh, well, not physically uh, yet, but, but hopefully it's coming. Soon. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's something about having separated it that, that I do think works really, really well. Um, and I think that, you know, there's, there's something about having that first volume covering 
um, you know, those big three and, and, and a little bit of the history of Japanese wrestling in, in general, which I think that, you know, for me, one of the things that I've focused a lot on, and, and this was partly because of the all Japan retrospective podcast episode that I did partly because of Phil Singer games. Um, and, and, and then just my own curiosity, I've been looking a lot into Ricky Dozen and, and, and especially those very, very early years when things were really first beginning. And, um, luckily there's, there's more information out there now than there, there used to be, you know, it used to be that you heard that name and maybe you, you were aware, Oh, that's the guy that Luthez fought, you know, or, or whatever. But, um, but now there's enough to really start to fill in the blanks and, and, and not just about, Oh, we got stabbed in a nightclub. Um, you, you know, there's, there's, there's more information, which is fantastic. And some of the old footage that people, uh, have found, like there's footage of him training and you can see like Baba in, in the background, like a really young Baba, like training with him and stuff. And it's just really cool that we have access to all of that. And I think that again, books like yours help and, and enhance that. And, and, and quite frankly, will become the type of touchstones that, you know, 10, 15 years from now, when somebody's writing a book about whether it's Ricky Dozen or, you know, Chono or whoever they're writing a book about, like they're going to literally find your book and use that to help them, you know, navigate that. I, I genuinely believe that. Um, and, and, and I think that that might even be more so for like the second volume because, uh, I think that what's covered in the second volume for me, there was, I learned again, I loved the first volume, but I learned more from the second volume than I think I learned from the first, because like I said, I knew a lot of that stuff already. There's a lot of stuff in the second volume that I was just ignorant of. Um, so it was really, for me, it was exciting to read and it was exciting as well to see some names that I hadn't thought about in a while. Um, or, or, you know, just had lost track of maybe after they left new Japan or after they left, you know, Noah or, or whatnot. And, uh, it was so great to see, uh, those names, um, which we'll get to in a second, but I, my next question would be when it came to choosing the titles to focus on in the second book, and you kind of answered this already, what was the determining factor? Uh, because this one focuses on the, the top three promotions, junior heavyweight championships. Mm -hmm. And then also you've got, uh, AJW and, um, world of stardom in there as well. So what was your, uh, um, kind of determining factor in choosing those titles for the second volume? Um, when you look at a promotion, I mean, generally you look at the, the top belt or what's considered to be the top belt, um, which is usually the heavyweight, um, um, championship. But, uh, in the case of, uh, say specifically New Japan, there's definitely cases where you know, the, the junior heavyweight champion is, is completely overshadowed. Um, the, the the heavyweight you you can't talk about again great champions of Japanese wrestling and omit um, Jushin Thunder Liger. Um, you can't uh, omit um, Koji Kanemoto. You can't omit Tiger Mask. You can't you know uh, so there's this um, collection of characters who are not, who might wrestle on the undercard, who might not be the main event, but who absolutely draw fans in a way that the, the heavyweights don't. I mean, uh, you look at the moment, you, you look at uh, New Japan, and New Japan have 
the the heavyweight belt isn't it i i don't know the it's it's not been gato's best year at least yeah. um from from my point of view but you you had yesterday the um, the best of the super junior final and you know it's it's the most fun i've had watching uh an entire card in in a while yeah um, I, you've got hiromu as as their mvp of the the year without a doubt you know, yeah me. um and so being able to have him in the book, being able to, um, I, I don't know, talk about people who perhaps are more broadly traveled, who have been, um, you know, another promotion, being able to kind of widen the net, I think, and talk about uh, histories that, yeah, you wouldn't have looked at. And there are so many people who were just pure pleasures to, to write about for lots of different reasons, like whether it's... Um, uh, Danielson or mm. you know, people people who I know like like Chris Wolf or um, Devitt yeah. and being able to to get their stories in um, it's just I don't know there's uh, the people in this book allowed me to talk about more things than New Japan Noah Stardom and Old Japan I, I think yes like being able to to write about um, uh, Nane Takahashi um, or the, you know, the early uh, Neo champions as well, being able to then, the stardom is not the only or the necessarily best Yoshi promotion. Go out there, look at all these other people who've worked in all these right. other places. You know, so there's this certain, or there was something more behind this book in in that I, I can sneakily advise people to go and look at this and this and this and this and this, you know, rather than, hey, there's this person, he worked only for this company, so only check out this company. Right. I, I, I Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because one of the things that you do notice that, that is almost kind of, a uh, you know, I think unintentionally, it's just because of the history, that there's this running theme of uh, of guys that have wrestled, and, and women for that fact, that have wrestled for multiple promotions whereas with the heavyweights you yes. know yes there are clearly folks that you know would wrestle for all japan and new japan go back and forth between those two or whatever but um in in this book the the, the sheer number of people that um spent time in multiple promotions and collected titles in multiple promotions it, you know far outweighs that first volume um and and i think that one of the things that intrigued me about that uh and i don't think that i'm going to say anything revelatory here is it really drives home how competitive the junior heavyweight division is overall in japan because you've got people that rather than just stay with one company and say well the iwgp heavyweight title is the most important no 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 no. the triple crown is the most important or whatever you have you know you have this idea that it's not just about the belt as much as it is about facing the best competition yeah. and, and 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 you think too about the names that make the jump to heavyweight and you know obviously like you mentioned liger right away i mean I think inarguably Liger is probably just the greatest junior heavyweight ever. And he's someone that never made naturally he had matches against heavyweights, but he was always considered a junior. And, and, and then you have names like, um, you know, especially in Noah, you know, Kenta and Mara Fuji who made that jump so successfully. Um, and I mean, you know, Mara Fuji in particular is, you know, there aren't a lot of names I feel like that you can look at that made that jump um, other than like Misawa and Fujinami. And the fact that you're putting him in that rarefied yeah, air yeah. says so much about the quality of um, 
you know, of his training, of his pedigree, of where he wrestled, of who he wrestled. And, and, and I just think that that's one of the interesting things about the book too, is that, um, you know, like you mentioned Devitt earlier, uh, um, I love there. It's funny because, um, not that anyone else gets short shrift, but there's definitely something about you, your, your bio for Devitt that, that sparkles in a way that maybe some of the others, you know, don't sparkle quite as, as much. Uh, and, and, um, I, I just love what you had to, to say about him and, and really tracking his career because he did have such an interesting journey in Japan, in new Japan. And, um, you know, thinking about where he is today, uh, and what, uh, you know, all the other things that he has accomplished since leaving Japan. Um, it's fascinating that I, I guess the question that I'm trying to ask is, do you think that he would have been taken seriously as a heavyweight if he'd stayed in Japan? Or do you think the only way that he was going to get out of that weight class was to, was to leave Japan? That's interesting. Um, no, I mean, I, I think he, he was, I mean, he was showing that he could hang with the heavyweights, like the matches he had with Okada, the matches he had with Tanahashi. Um, I think, I think, I think he had almost gone as far as he could though. I'm not, they wouldn't have given him the, um, the IWGP heavyweight title. I don't think. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's difficult to say. He would definitely have been taken seriously as a, as a heavyweight. Do you Definitely. think whether it would be with New Japan? I'm not. I, I, I don't know. He right. Jump somewhere else. But if you're gonna jump from New Japan, certainly at that time, the only viable place to jump if you're gonna jump up is to the WWE. If you're looking at right. career progression or or your future finances. Um, right. Definitely thinking five years ago. You know, now maybe it would be. It would be different, but but five years ago, it was the only viable step forward. Yeah. Do you think Do you think that his departure had any effect or impact on the way that New Japan elevated Kenny Omega, or even the way that they're looking at like Will Osprey now? I think like what it, it certainly showed that if it can be done and uh, the transition can can be made, but I. I think it, it definitely, he changed, I think, a lot of ways that they would look at a a, a foreign wrestler. Um, yeah. Rather than, than somebody who is just there for a short while, I think he proved that if you invest time and money and um, if you invest the energy, then there's no reason for them to go anywhere else. The business model has changed. And yeah. wrestling the global business you you started seeing these um uh juice robinson and um um i'm i'm, I'm jay white um starting out in the dojo as as young boys and working their way up and they're new japan for life there's no reason for them to go anywhere else right um, certainly not to make any more money and um no i i think absolutely they definitely changed the way that they they perceived um the foreign worker um and yeah. what they're doing with will osprey i know it's, it's really interesting i mean like or dislike will osprey but like um he's he's in this interesting position and he's in, phenomenally talented as a wrestler he's a phenomenal physical i don't know he, he's great as a wrestler yeah um, and so they put him in 
probably the best position for him. And so that'll be interesting to see where it work, you know, how it will work out in the future for him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always interested because I know that it's been something that people have speculated about for, you know, a couple of years now. And, 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 um, and the speculation kind of just always seems to attach itself to whoever is, is the star of the junior division. It's like, when are they going to move up the heavyweight? Mm. And I think one of the things that your book kind of proves, which is something that I've always held to be true. And I know, unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of people that give into the perception that, you know, well, at the Tokyo dome, the heavyweight is going to close the show, you know, but to me, oftentimes I, you know, I'm much more drawn to, um, the junior division. And, and I think it's one of the, you know, it's one of the kind of the failings of the perception of, of American wrestling that we haven't had a viable, you know, junior or cruiserweight or whatever title, um, that's, that's really been interesting since the mid nineties, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and all credit to, to WCW for, you know, for making that cruiserweight title exciting. And I mean, I still go back and watch, you know, Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, you know, fighting for that title. Those, I mean, I, one of my favorite matches of all time is still the, you know, the mask match between Guerrero and Rey Mysterio at Halloween Havoc. I think that match is one of the greatest matches I've ever seen to this day. And, um, you know, and, and, and I, I just, it's too bad that we haven't had that. And I, and I think that you can get that kind of, of action in just about any indie show that you go to in the United States these days, you know, so, so many, I think of the, of the younger, smaller wrestlers, that's just the style that they go for. But it doesn't get the same kind of support or legitimacy that having an actual division built around it does. And I think, it, you know, people look down their nose at that in, in, in American wrestling a lot, which is too bad. And it's one of the things about Japan that we we get that support for the division. And, yeah, it might not headline the Tokyo Dome, but you're sure as hell going to, like you were talking about with last night – get some incredible matches and incredible moments. I mean, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, actually I was going to save this for later, but since we're talking about it, I mean, how big of a moment was El Desperado unmasking? Like that was, that was incredible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's the kind of thing that makes me um, teary eyed and um, no, it, it gets me. And it, it, it was so, I mean, he did it in such a way as well. Um, at such a point in the match where it um, just heightened the emotion. It was done perfectly. It was done yeah. um, after that, just, just pure desperation. And um, I don't know, it, it just it just built and built and built. It was perfect storytelling, and it, it just really fed into it. And I'm just a pure sucker for it. It was, it was perfect pro wrestling, and it was... Yeah, no, just the kind of thing. Again, if if you're tired of it, if you're if you're if you need to step away from pro wrestling, step away. It's going to be there when you come back, and it will always be as right. good <laughs> when it's done well. It will always be <laughs> as good as you you want it to be or you need it to be. Um, there's no obligation to watch fucking every day. There's no obligation right. to kind of pro wrestling is always here. And um, no, I'll, it, it, it was a tremendous match. And um, yeah. yeah, no, the unmasking is awesome pure sucker for that kind of thing well and and you know speaking of storytelling and drama like there's the you know th thinking about Hiromu and the journey that he has had over this past year it is it is you know incredible to think that you know there there was a moment there when you had to wonder is is he going to even 
come back? You know, like, is this an injury that he can bounce back from? And, and not only has he bounced back from it, but he's, you know, kind of really reclaimed his position as one of the most popular talents on the roster. And, and, and I think that, um, that, 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 that is, is, is a testament to, uh, obviously, you know, him personally and, and physically, but the storytelling surrounding all of that has been so well done. And, you know, and and in a way, I mean, I say culminating, but the truth is, is that there's, there's more mileage to be gotten out of it. But last night really did kind of feel almost like a bit of a culmination. And now, you know, we're off to wrestle kingdom and, and we'll see what happens there for him. But, um, you'll get the belt back and he'll fight oh, yeah. um, Leo rush and, and everyone will be happy and no, it'll be, <laughs> no, <it'll> be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, right. And this is, it. I mean, talking about the transition of him to heavyweight, um, yep. he's, he's had his match with, with evil and he had his match with Okada at, uh, what well, it was the new Japan cup. And, um, there was no need for him not to just wrestle for, there's no need for him to step up to heavyweight. This is it. He can, he can, stay in the junior weight class and fight whoever he wants. Um, But he's, again, he should be the center of all their programming. But if he was, he wouldn't be as, I I don't know, he would lose his luster. Everything gets, by normalizing something so unique and so special by, like like the WWF or WWE rather, like they they would, I mean, they'd put him in every segment and in that way you just get tired of him by the end of the, the night. Yeah, you know, I mean, so he he wrong because again, New Japan have been derailed. I think more than more than most yeah. this year. I mean, it it seems again that, that there's been this this inconsistency with um, booking the disposable programming of like strong. Um, it's it's fine. It's it's a decent enough uh, TV show, but again, it, it just seems that things don't have consequence and. Um, right. He, he's just been this consistent bright spark and um, you, can, you can just rely on Hiromo. And again, coming back from what he came back from, um, yeah. it's just, just a testament to the man's character and, and his drive to, to perform. And it, it's um, going back to something you said right, right, right back at the beginning um, about pursuing professional wrestling, professional wrestling, like um, you don't have to be, in the main event, you don't even have to be in the opening match. Professional wrestling is this sprawling industry <laughs> in right. which you can do anything to contribute to to the performance, whether it's uh, card games producer or video game producer or anything, a yeah. photographer or a podcaster or anything. You're you're contributing to the industry and you're contributing to the art. You don't have to be the wrestler because the, the wrestlers nobody if there aren't those people around to to build the industry up or to showcase the industry or to support the industry and um someone like Hiromo and again this is a very very tenacious link back to what we were talking about for someone, <laughs> someone like Hiromo like inspires this this cottage industry of, of people who make like plush toys and people yeah. who draw draw pictures of the guy you know um so I don't know. He's he's just this invigorating force, and yeah, it doesn't matter what weight class he is. You know, he's he's something yeah. special. 
Absolutely. Well, and I think that, you know, kind of when we were talking about Marafuji and drawing those links, you know, kind of in the chain back to um, like Fujinami, for instance, and, and Misawa, I think with 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 Hiromu, the thing is, is that you can absolutely kind of link that chain even, you know, back to Liger and, and very different in yeah. so many ways. But I think when it just comes to the terms of their importance and popularity, I think that that, you know, that that link exists. And, and um, it, one of the things that was uh, speaking of links, uh, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I, I would be remiss if we didn't finally, after all this time, get to talk about Joshi. But th- speaking of links, one of the beautiful things that you do in the in the book when you get to um, All Japan Women and, and Stardom is you start with Mildred Burke. And I love that. And, and I mean, obviously it's the right place to start because of the WWWA title, mm. but, but she is someone who is so incredibly important to professional wrestling. Yeah. And because of the revisionist history in North America in particular, you don't hear her name nearly as much as you hear like Mula, which has so much baggage attached to it. And, and, and one of the first things that I would say about Mula and, and, I, I don't say this lightly and, and I, and I, and I, and I don't say this to be overly critical or a jerk or anything. Mula was not the greatest worker in the world. And Mildred Burke, what, what little footage we have of her and, and newspaper reports that you can read about her, Mildred Burke could work like she could, I mean, she could give most men a run for their money, oh, much yeah. less women. And, and she, you know, she worked on her physique at a time when that was not something that women did, you know, they wanted them to basically just go in there. And, you know, we, we think, we think that, you know, WWE in the late nineties and early two thousands was bad when it comes to, to women in their bikinis or whatnot. That was basically all they wanted in, you know, in the forties and fifties. So, you know, Mildred Burke really stands out and I love that it starts with her. Yeah. And then of course, you know, from, from her, we get to Jackie Sato. And I think that, that's a name that a lot of people might not be familiar with because unfortunately there's not a ton of footage no. um, that exists, but no. why don't, uh, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, why don't you talk about her importance to Joshi and, and where she fits in particular, why she kind of is the beginning. Cause Mildred Burke is mentioned, but when you put that number one next to Jackie Sato's name, like tell me about that. We, you know, that that's it. With the WWA world, um, I, I wanted to do with that championship what I do with you know, everything else, or you know, whether it's on my Twitter feed or, or in the book. I wanted to start at number one. I wanted to start with Mildred Burke and go all the way through, whether it's, um, you know, Aiko I Kiyo, because I started with her as the first Japanese champion. I had a picture ready to go in the book. And then... Mm-hmm. You have this this period in the um, early to to mid late seventies where the the belt goes back and forth between um, you know the evil Western foreigner and um, the, the Japanese hero, and so many of those uh, American women you cannot find any material on at all, no reference pictures, no nothing. I mean so. There's a sensation of I got here too too late. People have already fucking deleted these people from history. They're just sort of names or footnotes. And um, even with some of the Japanese wrestlers in that section, because I only chose ten, um, and yeah. you know, there there are there are big names who are missing. You know, I didn't didn't do a thing on Dump, and I should have done or um, Devil Masami, and I, I didn't. And, and um, 
there there's no material in English, you know, and I had to spend a lot of time, even in stardom, like someone like Kaguma, I had to spend time looking on Japanese websites and um, bothering my brother. Can you, can you possibly translate this for me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Google Translate and this and this. Um, you know, it, it was difficult to piece together that section. And so to choose people based on their importance, I mean, it's very subjective. And I, I understand perhaps there are people who would, disagree with my choices um but starting with with jackie sato as um say the first homegrown hero it was like this this departure from the um japanese star fighting the american um hero you had uh, her starting out in the the beauty pair um and um with um ueda and um, them developing their, their, like I mentioned in the book, I mean, there's there's two big changes that happen. It's the departure from the the Japanese star fighting the Westerner, but also the the change in the way that they would market their their wrestlers, marketing them as as more pop idols, more more icons. Mm. So the beauty pair were. Uh, incredibly successful as as um as pop artists as well as musicians and people always think yeah. of crush girls when when they think of of that but you know, beauty pair were there first and there was you know, somebody before them even but the first people to really break through was um beauty pair and um the as as they then broke up and as jackie sato claimed the belt and um as she um kind of stood on top of the, the company, uh, is not just her reign there, um, but then after she she retired, you know, she, she started her own promotion, which uh, again kind of um, broke AJW's um, monopoly uh, on, on Yoshi wrestling, you know, and uh, I, I, ah, there's so yeah. much... <laughs> well, she no, I, 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 she, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, the fact that she started her own promotion um, after her first retirement because she is such a towering figure. I think not only for her accomplishments in the ring, but also what what the establishing of JWP led to in, in, in abolishing the retire the mandatory retirement age specifically. Like that is to me, that was one of the huge markers in Joshi because once that was done away with you know, you finally gave the opportunity for these women to have the careers that they so rightly deserved. And, and so many of them had, you know, had to retire. Let's say 25 or whatever. Yeah. And, 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 and then, you know, when they finally did get the chance to come back, you know, it's almost like, you know, when Muhammad Ali couldn't fight for, for two years and then, you know, he came back, it's like, well, he gave away a couple of the best years of his career, um, you know, and couldn't fight and, and now it's coming back and it's still great, but you always have to ask yourself, like, man, what could have been? Um, so I, I just, I love, I love what you've done. Um, you know, with the 10 women that you've chosen, uh, I guess my last question would be, what do you think uh, the possibility is of, um, you know, of, of, uh, maybe including some of those names that you, that you didn't put in, like you mentioned dump and you mentioned devil, like, you know, going back and, and in volume three, perhaps, you know, including um, them. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, because it's, um, the rest of my life, I'll, I'll be doing this 
one way or another, you know, whether it's um, on social media, whatever form social media will be in in the next 20, 30 years, however it's going to change, I'll, <laughs> I'll kind of still be there scribbling on whatever last bits of paper exist on Earth. And I'll be posting, posting <laughs> pictures. Um, but I think I mean, volume three might, might take a little while because uh, there's something else which I'm going to do first. And I'm okay. super super hyped about that um hopefully can you talk about it not really i mean that's all right <laughs> yes no i can and uh, i could but then I'd, I'd be talking in ifs and maybes and possibilities <laughs> and i don't i don't really like doing that i mean well, it's, let's just let's just say this when you can talk about it we will talk about it <laughs> yes yeah we will i mean but uh, this is it. i mean there, there will be a j crown volume three um, and it will include um, all the people I've missed out here. I'd like a, a Dragon Gate book. I'd like BJW. I'd like Zero yeah. One. Um, and I'd like Ice Ribbon. And I'd like Sendai Girls. Um, but there's something yeah. I'm going to do first. <laughs> That's one of the things that we didn't even get the chance to talk about because I, I want to let you go. But, uh, you know, the, I love that there's so many mentions of like DDT. There's so many mentions of Zero One. There's so many, you know, there's all these promotions that get mentioned in this volume that might not have been mentioned in the last one. Yeah. And okay. I think that uh, it's it's great because it's a window in for, for a lot of people, and, you know, myself included, because like, yeah, I've seen some DDT, I've seen some Zero One, but for the most part, I've focused on, you know, on the big three when it comes to men's wrestling so it, it, it the the volume is is wonderful um in in who it covers but it's also wonderful in the in the doorways i feel like it opens to other promotions and, uh, and other people um so that said i've talked about how much i love it for anyone who doesn't have it why don't you let them know where they can get it right now uh, j crown volume available from Amazon. At the moment, it's it's just an ebook um, because they're experiencing this two-week delay um, on approving paperbacks. Um, but the paperback is there. It's kind of gone over the, the first few humps that might have caused the problems. So now it's just a case of waiting. And within the next couple of days, hopefully it'll go live as a paperback. Hopefully in time, uh, get it for Christmas if they want it for Christmas. Um, if not, the immediate few days after so do treat yourself to that <laughs> um, absolutely um, it's amazon at the moment so the the great evil the only kind of postal <laughs> carrier in the world but that's where it is and um yeah man thank you so much for having me yeah absolutely matt thank you so much for being on it's always a pleasure to speak to you we'll have to do this again as soon as is allowable by our crazy schedules um and um yeah. <laughs> and children yeah exactly it changes everything uh and uh also where can people find you on twitter if they want to you know shoot you a message look at your wonderful art that you throw up there every day for us to see which is awesome for free <laughs> yeah um twitter uh, shining wizard ds and um uh, instagram shining wizard designs um so i'm there um there's the the voices of wrestling annual which is coming out um, at the end of this year, same as always, and they've got like 70 something of my pictures. Um, oh, there. that's awesome. So, however, they're going to use those, uh, be great. Um, I think at the moment, if I could just get a quick plug in for uh, my buddy Kieran, he's just started a, a new website called Wrestle In. Um, it's like this tavern based wrestling website, I, anyway. But it's, it's really Love good, it. he's a really nice guy, really good writer. So, do check out that website if you can. They, they've got 
a review of the book there and a, a quick interview as well. So excellent awesome. taste from the very start. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will definitely check that out. Um, but yeah, again, Matt, thank you so, so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's always good to see you. Good to talk to you. And, um, uh, thank you. You take care of yourself. All right. And, uh, like I said, let's do this again as soon as we can. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Sam. All right. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Matt Charlton. Uh, again, the book is J crowned volume two. You can find that over at amazon.com digitally for now. Print version is coming soon. As you heard Matt say, uh, can't recommend it enough. Um, I've just been uh, fiend for books about professional wrestling lately, as I mentioned in, in the interview and, um, Matt's book was a gift, uh, in so many ways. Um, you know, I paid for my copy, not a gift in that way, but, uh, um, just, you know, wonderful to be able to have that. And, you know, in particular for me, um, the, the sections on Joshi were just, I always really love reading about Joshi, especially the early days and, and going back to the seventies and eighties, because it was such an interesting time, you know, for women's wrestling in Japan. And we talked a little bit about like the mandatory retirement age. So talent, you know, was, was often there for just a, a you know, a flicker uh, of time. Um, you know, you didn't get these lengthy careers that, that you're able to see uh, nowadays, you know, somebody like uh, Minami Toyota, who just retired uh, last year, two years ago now, I think. Um, and, you know, you unfortunately, you know, at that time you were seeing careers that were lasting, you know, five years, seven years, usually max, you know, sometimes you'd, you'd get someone who would start wrestling when they were really young and they would, they would carry on for a little while longer. But, um, the, you know, the, the impact of course, uh, Jackie Sato, as we were talking about is, is incredible. And it is unfortunate that there's not more footage available, uh, of her as a wrestler and, and, and really just more notice of, of what uh, she was able to accomplish and what her peers were able to accomplish. And of course, you know, there are some wonderful, um, articles out there on the internet, um, some wonderful books, um, um, you know, Pat LaProd, uh, his book, uh, Sisterhood of the Squared Circle has a, a wonderful section on Joshi and talks a lot about the beauty pair and, and Jackie Sato. And, 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 uh, I, I just, it's always fun to talk to, to Matt about that. We've had a couple of conversations off mic and, you know, we always talk about, we're going to have that big conversation. And so finally we got to talk a little bit about it, but I have a feeling that he and I will be talking more about Joshi in the future. Um, in addition to some of the other topics that we missed out on, uh, as I mentioned prior to the interview, uh, Minoru Tanaka is someone that we really wanted to talk about. Um, I know he was excited when I mentioned that name as someone to kind of spotlight. So um, pick up the book, uh, check it out and, you know, let Matt know what you think. Um, he loves the feedback. And, it, you know, anytime you kind of put something out there into the world, it's it's always a leap of faith. And until you get some people, you know, letting you know what they think and commenting on it, um, you know, even if even if some of it's a little bit critical here or there, uh, is 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 certainly helpful um, because it just paves the way for even better work in the future. Um, and God knows, you know, we can we can all use the the boost in confidence when it's when it's just wonderful praise as well. Uh, but I just want to thank everybody for listening. Um, you know, the funny thing is this won't be the last podcast of the year, even though the podcasts have been erratic and infrequent. Um, I do have another couple of episodes coming up this month. Um, so you're going to get, uh, I, I believe three new episodes, um, just this month, which, uh, which I'm excited about. We've got another Phil Singer games podcast coming up. Uh, we'll be talking with Todd Gershel, uh, and Rob Bobin, which will be really exciting. 
Um, Rob is the writer and creator of the Kronos Battle Lines set that is coming out um, in really just a short time. Most people who've pre-ordered it will probably be receiving it next week. Um, and if you haven't pre-ordered it, you can head over to philsingergames.com. Um, and in addition to the Kronos Battle Line set, which is just a sort of a wonderful peek at alternate history of established characters in the Champions of the Galaxy universe as created by Tom Filsinger, um, along with some new, brand new characters that Rob has created for this set. Um, of course, they also have their Best of the Women's Indies 2020 set, which uh, has such names as Eva Lise, Angelina Love, uh, Killer Kelly, Layla Hirsch, um, Kylie Ray. Uh, so it's it's a really really cool set um, with some excellent women's talent from the from the Indies, um, and then uh, of course the Legends of Wrestling expansion number six which is headlined by the dynamite kid um and uh, of course davy boy smith the british bulldogs it's going to be uh, a really great set uh dynamite kid is not only going to have uh, tag team stats for um his team with davy boy but uh we've been assured he's going to have some awesome uh, singles wrestling and junior uh heavyweight wrestling stats which will uh make him a force to be reckoned with i'm sure other names in that set include Don Morocco, uh, Hillbilly Jim, Coco Beware, uh, Adrian Adonis, who's a brand new signing. Um, really, really, really looking forward to this set. And, and I think that, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with Phil Singer Games, if you're listening to this uh, just because of the interview with Matt, check out Phil Singer Games at Phil Singer Games on Twitter or philsingergames.com, the website, uh, for all the information about the game. It's been around for, you know, almost 35 years now. And uh, just, just a wonderful, you know, small business success story, uh, tabletop gaming, you know, kind of just got a great old school feel to it. And there's an online component as well. You know, if you don't want to roll the dice and get out the cards every time, you can actually just play online, which is what I do mostly. And, you know, it's, it's been an incredible amount of fun for me. I've been playing for, for over 25 years. Um, it's, it's easy while at the same time having wonderful subtleties. So, uh, great opportunity, um, for anyone listening who's never explored it to check it out. Um, I know, I know Matt's a fan and I know that there are a lot of wrestlers out there that have played and are fans as well. And, um, which is, which has helped a lot to, you know, getting real wrestlers signed into the game. And I'm sure there'll be more big names, uh, on the way in the new year. Um, it's been it's been a, a big year for for signings. Uh, I do know that, and I know that there are some pretty incredible uh, names, some towering figures uh, of professional wrestling that will be uh, coming to the game very soon. So I'm excited about that. A lot of other people are excited about that. And uh, if if again, if you haven't checked it out yet, go over to uh, philsingergames.com and check it out. Uh, but again, I just want to offer my gratitude to Matt Charlton, who is a wonderful human. Um, I count him as as a dear friend and. And uh, I'm so glad that he was able to join me, that we were able to work out the, the time difference between Chicago and Spain and uh, and, and really just uh, have, a, have a lovely chat and share it with you all. Um, so please hit us up with your feedback at KOPW72 on Twitter or at ShiningWizardDS uh, on uh, Twitter for Matt. Uh, thank you all so much. Take care of yourselves. Uh, we will be back. Um, well, I will be back um, very soon with another Phil Singer Games podcast. I've also got a couple of other interviews lined up that I'm really excited about. I don't want to share them just yet because they haven't taken place and I don't want to jinx them. Um, but needless to say, it should be a fun time. 
uh, I also wanted to just let everyone know Master of the Ring, uh, the Buddy Rogers biography by Tim Hornbaker is now available for order over at Crowbar Press. I'm really excited about that book. I'm not shilling it. I'm not getting paid for that. Uh, it's just genuine excitement over a, a book about the history uh, of uh this beautiful art form that we love so much. Um, also want to just uh, give a plug to the strap, which is available over at crowbar press as well uh, by Roger Deem. It's a, just if you have any interest whatsoever in in the seventies and early eighties in professional wrestling, it is it, it's an essential volume as far as I'm concerned. It, it spotlights the Missouri heavyweight title, which was the premier title of the St. Louis Wrestling Club, uh, Sam Muchnick's promotion that ran uh, St. Louis, and uh, some of the stars and the names that held that belt and and the battles over that belt that are included and detailed in the volume are fantastic. Um, and and also uh, give a shout out to Mark James. Uh, Mark James, of course, is the uh, premier Memphis wrestling historian, uh, and he covers multiple territories, uh, AWA, uh, uh, Crockett, um, you know, he's, he's got books on uh, Houston and Mid-South, um, but of course Memphis is his bread and butter, and there's some incredible books about the, the Memphis promotion uh, that he has. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. I, I really just think that the work that he does is essential, as well as the work of people like um, Roger Deem and Tim Hornbaker and Scott Teal. Um, so there's some ideas for some Christmas gifts. If you've got readers in the house, um, or if you want to get yourself a little something, uh, I can, I can definitely, uh, recommend those books because they, they are great. And of course, Phil Singer games is another wonderful gift, um, whether for a loved one or yourself. Um, I I can't recommend it enough, but in the meantime, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to stop talking. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I look forward to being back with you very soon with Todd and Rob to talk about Phil Singer games and the new sets that are coming out, uh, hitting mailboxes imminently. Um, those, those sets, uh, a little birdie told me are going to be, uh, in the hands of the post office very soon and people should be receiving them. Um, I would say probably within the next couple of days, uh, as I record this on Sunday, December the 13th. So, um, there you go. Uh, of course, mail's a little, little, little taxed right now. Um, there's, there's a lot going on. So if it doesn't get there, uh, you know, in the next couple of days, don't, don't blame me and don't blame them. They're doing the best they can. Uh, all right, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I will be back very soon. <laughs>